What's up, guys? This is Joshua Toomey of the Talk Toomey Podcast, and you are listening to Discography Discussion. You know, Brandon Kellum worked his fucking Brandon Kellum magic, and... And they probably have a set schedule. I mean, shit like that helps. We have a set schedule. No, I didn't... I'm not knocking us. I'm saying that's what's helping them. God, you're so defensive, man. And if you drove eight hours to see a band in a city across the state and you're still defensive, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. And everything is about to get kind of weird for some people. Yeah, it might be. Um, What are we talking about this week, Jeff? Oh, new metal. Oh yeah! How dare you bring that word up? We're gonna listen to some metalheads. We're gonna talk about some new metal for you kids tonight, <laughs> dude. I got no problem with new metal. Never have. Uh, you know, maybe in my elitist days, I did. Uh, I'm more into it now than I was. Uh, I've been listening to new metal for a week now, and um, it's been uh, it's been an experience. I can tell you that. Yeah, I, I think some of the stuff just doesn't deserve labels. I think new metal just gets a bad rap. Yeah, I guess if pun, you want intended. I guess if you want to, you know, take a, take a total hippie mentality to it, that's cool, too. Yeah, that's totally me, man. You know me and labels. I don't like them. We are going to definitely get into labels and whether or not they apply. I know that I've always had a problem with labels in new metal because if you really break it down, and I should probably save this for when our guest calls in, if you really break it down, the thing about new metal is there really is no label that applies. Not really, no. Um it's more of a timeline. A lot of the bands don't sound like each other, but we will uh, we'll save that for later. Uh, and I decided if we were going to talk about new metal, that we needed to go to the expert, the guy that might know more about new metal than Joe does. It, and how, how dare you? <laughs> so we have a very special guest this week, uh, Mr. Joshua Toomey of the uh, Talk To Me podcast. How because, in the world did you pull that off? Well, I sent him an email and was like, I just have to convince him to be on the show. And then I was like hey, do you want to be on our show? And he was like, okay. I mean, I don't know. If you listen to Metal Podcast, you've already probably heard of uh, Talk To Me. So uh, I don't think he needs any introduction So at let's all. get him on the line. We'll get him on the line. Hey, everybody. Before we start talking to Josh, I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you to everyone who listens and thank you to our subscribers. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can say to it, Alexa, play the latest episode of Discography Discussion, and she will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out and lets us know you're listening. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. Without further ado, here comes Joshua Toomey. Yeah, so uh, when you emailed me and said, like, yeah, you want to talk about Pantera or we could talk about New Metal. So, um, full (laughs) confession... I hate Pantera. <laughs> ah, oh, man, they're my all-time favorite. So. Oh, they're great. Don't get me wrong. I almost, I almost wrote you back like, I really want to talk Pantera. But oh, I'm sorry. Well, here's the good. thing. We had a Pantera episode lined up. 
Like yeah. we were, we were going to talk about Pantera. I was going to swallow my pride. I was going to admit that they're actually a great band. You know, <laughs> all that stuff. And then, uh, so is it is it is it actual Pantera you hate, or is it like everything around them? It's Phil. Yeah. Okay. Let's be honest. It's Phil. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's the whole it's the whole tough guy, ultra masculine persona that he puts off. I'm not even really going to go into like the racist stuff. <laughs> right. But it's like I mean I. I Get me wrong. I mean, the music is the music is fantastic. Um, the vocalist, however, just leaves a lot to be desired in my biased opinion. The weird thing was we were prepping for that show, and I I got to listen to the glam Terra stuff, like the really yeah. old eighty stuff, and I found that my my opinion of the band inverted. I was like, wait a minute, I actually kind of think the glam stuff is pretty good. What's wrong? And it's with funny. That? I, I was I've been a huge fan of Pantera since. I was like you know, 13, 14, so the early 90s. And uh, I never really went back and dove into the Glam Terra era mm. until we went on a family trip. I mean, this had to have been no more than a month ago. And uh, I just put it on, you know, put it on YouTube and listened to it in the car. And I was like, man, you know, the song, like the, the playing was really good, but the, you could just tell the songs weren't there. And it was really weird. Like you could tell yeah. why they were never signed as a Glam band because. You know, as, as for as good of players as they were, they they just didn't, you know, they didn't come through on those albums. It was derivative. I think it was the only thing that was wrong with it. Like it was really yeah. good, but it was so derivative of other bands. Like it was like if you like Kiss, then you <laughs> love Pantera, yeah, yeah. and then people are like, "Well, fuck you! I'm just going to listen to Kiss. Why? Why do I care? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I actually enjoyed some of the glam Terra stuff more though because it wasn't so tough guy. Uh-huh. Which is weird because I'm a big hardcore guy, so like you'd think that that would bother me in like hardcore music, but it doesn't as much. Right, right. But um, this has been our secret Pantera episode with Josh. Timmy. Right, this yeah, is no I know, right? It's starting to get good, Actually, right? <laughs> I've been recording it on my end, so I'll release it on my podcast. Right, hey man, <laughs> hey man, I didn't listen to new metal all week <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> so, um. I don't even have a single note written down. I don't even. I don't need to on this one. So you don't, man. We're like, did Travis warn you? Like, we're completely off topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've listened to a few episodes, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're dude. We, we don't even care. Travis probably his sh- like his interview style. Like he, I, I'll listen. I would listen to him interview anybody. Oh, like, dude. I love, I love him. It's addiction. Uh, like, it totally. I could almost addiction. say it's my. He's my. He's my favorite podcaster. He is he is mine as well, um, like a hundred percent, like to, totally honest. I mean, I could suck a bit. Actually, actually, Josh, you're my favorite podcaster. But you know, no, no, no. I, uh, but actually, <laughs> I listen. I like yours though because yours is a little bit more music focused, um, which I do enjoy. Um, yeah. But I did, like I just listened to his new episode with the singer from uh, Daughters, and it was yeah. just like, dude, that got <sighs> heavy. You know, <laughs> it just I was like, wow, he like really opened up, like. We're 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 kind of the guys that like the stuff that he's able to just pull out of people is just insane. Yeah, I think that's partly just him too. I don't think that's you know obviously that's the one thing I like about my podcast name is it's not. I mean, I do put metal podcasts right. in there just so if you're searching it, you know, you're searching out metal podcast, you'll find it. But I mean, you know, with discography discussion, you know, you're not necessarily. Uh, you know, batten down to just discussing metal. You could technically discuss anyone's discography, you know, in sync for all I care. You know, what's funny is there's actually already a talk to me and it's, uh, really? it's a speech 
pathology course made by a woman named uh, her name's like Amanda to me. Okay. And uh, I guess she, she's never reached out. I'm pretty sure she's aware, but I, right. you know, because there's, there's no way she's not, but, uh, but yeah, I think she started it a year before I started the podcast. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I would never even think to Google search this before I named it. Right. I was just like, yeah, there's no way. And then like one day I was like, wait a minute. And, uh, yeah, she has like 92 likes on Facebook and it's in Chicago. I think it's a pretty localized thing, but sure. it's funny. She'll hashtag talk to me sometimes. <laughs> so when I'm, so when I'm looking for something, her stuff pops up. So, I mean, I'm sure it's the other way around too. That's I should funny. reach out and, uh, you know, say at least say hello. Right. <laughs> Maybe so what would the subject you know? be of the talk to me versus talk to me? Talk podcast? to me versus talk to me. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's being a one man uh, solo thing here, it's like overanalyze everything and have no one to bounce it off of. Sure, that's why that's why I got in touch with Joe and uh, Jeff here because I would have been out of control on my own. Um, right, I wouldn't have made good decisions. <laughs> super elitist and super drunk. Super. Uh. <laughs> uh, I was gonna have a couple of beers with this one, but my last podcast, um, I get I don't know if hopefully you guys aren't blues fans, but. Uh, I, I'm uh, a massive we, Blues we, fan. I mean, I, I'm a from, season ticket we're, holder. We're from St. Louis, so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm actually a season ticket holder, so I'm a huge nice. fan. So I'm a giant Predators fan, right? <laughs> hey, they're actually number three on my list. So hey, you know what though? It, like as much as I respect the Blues, if they can yeah. show the Blues up as well as they did, then they deserve everything they get. You know what I mean? But uh, we were um, they're a fucking great we, hockey team, man. We the Preds were you know playing Game Six Monday night and. Uh, so I'm sitting there just, you know, I was like, I'll have a beer or two. The next thing I know, I had like seven beers and I still had to finish the podcast because they yeah. always come out, come out on Tuesdays. So I went to listen back to it a couple of days later. I, I was kind of not looking forward to listening to it. Sure. And, I, and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> <laughs> just like screaming. And right. Uh, and it's it, it was pretty rough. So, man, I'm, to... I'm an Austin Watson fan, though. I will tell you that. Nice. He's a he's a beast. When I uh, when I live, so I grew up in Nashville. I live in Louisville now, but I grew up down there, and uh, as you can see like Titans crap behind me. So sorry about your Rams. <laughs> oh, they, they were not. They boom. were not our Rams. We don't have a okay. football team in St. Louis. What are you talking about? <laughs> we we hate Stan Kroenke, the the owner of the Rams. That guy's a massive. That dude's dickhead. been hated since day one. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He's never had a good standing with the St. Louis populace at large. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Honestly, like when I talk to a lot of. Uh, a lot of people on the, you know, podcasting or their podcast, my, the initial like 10, 15, 20 minutes prior to us recording is always like, so what's your sports team? Oh man. I remember when the Titans <laughs> played that team and right. you know, we always end up, you know, Oh, turn that off. Right. Uh, but yeah, man, I used to, uh, we used to play my early, my pre primer 55 band. Well, primer played, we played pops, uh, once, but, uh, my old band my, played Pops a few times, yeah. <laughs> my uh, my prior band to that actually played a bunch of shows back in the day with um, Big Blue Monkey and Low Cash prior to their being Story of the Year. Yep, yep, so I remember we used, that. We used to trade shows with like, uh, what was that place called? Galaxy. The Galaxy, oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's old school, yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, that's a cool venue. That was, that was like truly late 90s, like 98, 99. Did you ever play at the uh, Creepy Crawl in St. Louis? I never did. I've always, I've always heard about it and always seen it on like, you know, tour itineraries, but, uh, um, I never, you know, like Mississippi nights. 
I remember like yeah, I actually saw yeah I saw a show there once, but I played Pops two or three times, and then uh, the Galaxy I think two or three times. Pops was so nice to us, like because we were local band and they uh like everywhere in St. Louis. St. Louis is kind of like a Ponzi scheme as far okay. as local bands go. So if you're in a local band in St. Louis, and let's say like for example, let's say Primer Fifty Five is going to come play, you know, in St. Louis, and you want to open for them, you know. So you go up to the venue and they charge you a hundred bucks for a set of tickets, yeah. and then you they're like, okay, well anything you sell above that hundred bucks, then you get to keep whatever. It's like, well nobody's heard of us. They only hear about the band. They've only heard of the band that we're opening for, you right. know. And uh, it was like that at literally every single venue except Pops. We literally, <laughs> I drove up to Pops with a hundred bucks because I was like used to that abuse, and. Uh, <laughs> I drove up there and they're like, "Oh no, dude! Here's the tickets. Just have, just have fun, you know." And we're like, "Holy Very shit! Cool. Okay, cool." <laughs> like, they're just oh, a really man. good venue to play at, and um, they're classy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, except for you know the uh, strip club, the strip all club, yeah, right across the street. <laughs> strip, well, then like a strip club and a liquor store all in the same parking lot. Yes. Right. Well, we always wondered too. We're like, oh man, all the touring bands that that roll through here. I wonder if they know that like East St. Louis is somewhere they're supposed to avoid. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think you could kind of tell. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's always good times. Yeah. Dan, do you want to introduce our guest for those that do not know? Yes, this is Mr. Uh, Joshua Toomey from the Talk to Me podcast. He's a uh, he's he's a legend at this point, man. Like you know, maybe he wouldn't admit to that, but he's a legend to us. Um, us being nobody, and you know, <laughs> we uh, we're, we're, we're I'm very I'm very inspired. Um, I like uh, I like the the quality of guests that he has. This dude has awesome people that you want to hear him talk about literally every week. You know, um, I'm glued to it like like my like a soap opera. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's yeah. a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, man, it's an honor for us for sure. You know, absolutely. I was just gonna let you talk. I liked what was going on, so I was just sitting back and listening. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we. Uh, yeah, when we were emailing back and forth, I was like, you know, we do Pantera or New Metal. And, you know, eventually we are going to do a Pantera show. And honestly, at this point, if you enjoy talking to us tonight, maybe that'll be your return. You know, it's the uh, it's the Pantera, you know, um, overview where you guys can all explain to me very carefully how I'm wrong. And, uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, I'm sure I am. I, I have a very weird, weird um view of Pantera and uh it's not consistent it's a little bit hypocritical you know <laughs> so um but we can get into that uh at a later time but uh I like the idea of new metal because we had uh we've been we've been talking about the idea of doing episodes that are kind of a genre overview like not to be the genre police like put everything in a category and go with it or whatever but just kind of like we wanted to do kind of like what's a, what's the deal with new metal? Why does everybody hate new metal? And is it a justified hatred or is it not? I think in the long run, I think new metal got a bad rap, no pun intended, I guess, but uh, got a bad <laughs> uh, got a bad name over over time just because of how diluted the the pool got. Sure, uh, you know when you started out with just a handful of bands that didn't necessarily sound the same but still had kind of the same qualities. Yeah. Uh, then you had like that second wave of new metal bands that pretty much had a formula and uh, and just kind of kind of watered it down, and then it kind of became '80s glam to me. It oh, kind of yeah. just it, it became very silly, 
And, uh, you know, me being kind of in the middle of it all, too, at the same time, I mean, I kind of sat back and looked around and, uh, and I was like, man, you know, this is, this is getting really bad. And, right. you know, and for the longest time, and we'll get into it, but for the longest time, you know, me being able to say that I was in a band like Primer 55 was never the cool thing to say. It was always like, you know, yeah, I was in a couple of bands. Oh, yeah. And like people might may or may not remember that band and this, that and the other thing. But with the podcast and, and talking to people and being able to kind of relate to a lot of people, um, I'm having more people come out and say, you need to f- promote that you were once in Primer 55. You know, that's something that no one, not a lot of people got to do and, right. you know, tour like that. And, and it's it's, it's almost become, come back around to where like, you know, Poison is selling out arenas again, you know, now saying that you're in a new metal band is actually, you know, kind of cool again. It's kind of weird. Right. Yeah. When we were in, when we were in Kansas city, you know, I, I was like, I need to prep up on my new metal. Cause it's been a while, you know? And, uh, so I listened to, you know, and again, like, like I did on the Travis episode, I'm not trying to suck up in any regard, but like, I've got the two primer 55 releases, you know, like I've got, you know, um, I was I was really into that stuff uh, whenever it was when it was like really relevant. You know, um, I remember hearing um, this life on the radio and like I thought, like, dude, this band's going to be huge after this. Like that's, you know, um, that single was just like, oh, my God, they're like because I, you know, the first album is great. You know, it's got that like rappy. Um, it's got this attitude to it, you know, that, that yeah. permeates the record and. Um, I really liked that because I was really into bands early on, like uh, Primer Fifty Five and like uh, Head PE and like that kind of that kind of sound. I was never really into Limp Bizkit very much. It's funny because I would show people like Head PE and I'd show them like Primer Fifty Five and they'd be like, "Why aren't you into Limp Bizkit? I'm like, "Because they're douchebags <laughs> and these guys don't come off like that," you know? Like, right? And, uh, well, uh, but we were. So. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'll you back on your on your this life story and. In, in in full disclosure, I was not on either of those albums. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I had actually auditioned prior to the new release coming out, uh-huh. and they actually went with Kobe, who's on whose pictures on the album. Right. And during the touring cycle for the new release, Kobe left, and um, Bobby Burns had called out, you know, called out, reached out to me, and said, "Hey, man, are you still interested? We have a tour." He basically called me and said, "We have a tour," and like five days you want to do it and i'm like well hell yeah i want to do it but uh (laughs) but so you to on to your this life thing i actually got a cd sampler uh and to put it in and this life was on there and man as soon as i heard this life i was just like i was bummed that i didn't get it in the first place but man i was like super bummed when i heard this life i was like man this is about to blow up this is about to be the biggest band out there and blah 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 but you know all that stuff happened and then you know the uh, 9-11 happened and, you know, everything pretty much stopped and blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, man, when I first heard this life, I was totally blown away and I was just like even more bummed that it didn't originally get in Primer 55. Right. Well, cause like I was singing in bands, uh, bands that went nowhere, uh, f- before that. And I remember when I heard this life, I was like, dude, I, you know, I, I should start like the whole screaming thing, you know, like that's, I like, uh, I like the way it sounds on this life and, you know. It's weird too, because like you look back at it now, and you're like, "Well, that screaming isn't that like intense or in your heart." Yeah. But like, uh, you know, I, I got the, I got, you know, and that's the funny thing is the times that I had seen Primer Fifty Five, I probably watched you up on stage playing it, you know, like, um, and uh, but you know, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I should really start pushing what I'm trying to do further, you know, and. That song was really big for me because I was like, I just loved how melodic it was and how, uh, 
but it was still like it still had that primer fifty five edge to it, you know. Like it was it was like here we're gonna give you the we're gonna give you this more melodic stuff because the first record um, was much more aggressive in the sense of you know it was in your face. Mm-hmm. It, it had it had this like kind of street attitude to it, which. I mean, as a white suburban kid, I can't really identify with street attitude, but <laughs> for whatever reason, with with new metal uh, at the time, you felt like you could identify with it, you know. Um, and it was just, I, you know, I loved the guitars, and I loved uh, I loved the singing and the screaming dynamic, and you know, I, so I, I was really like all in at that point because I was uh, I was huge into stuff like Head PE and uh, Third Strike. A few years later, um, I, I really. Um, I really enjoyed the like kind of like the rap core element of of new metal, um, which I think is one of the things that most people don't like. You know? <laughs> right. No, I loved it all the all the way back in the you know, back in the day. You know when it first started popping up. So right. So yeah, I've always been a huge fan. It, it always had just kind of like a not necessarily a party vibe, but it always seemed to be a little bit more maybe a little bit more upbeat than thrash. Right. Well, thrash uh thrash kind of got a little boring, I think at that point, you know, it had kind of run its course where it was like, I mean, you'd listen to like you'd listen to a Slayer album and it was like, yeah, it's really good, it's really technical or whatever, but like it's more they the weren't, same. Yeah, they weren't the kind of songs that would stick with you, you know, like you'd listen to it, you'd enjoy it while you were listening to it and then when it was over, it was over, and you didn't really remember anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was, uh, you know, new Metal came out at a time where where I was big into, you know, I was huge into Metallica. Probably my, you know, probably one of my all-time favorite bands, as I like to say. But, you know, Metallica, Pantera, all that stuff, early 90s. And then, you know, as time was going on, you know, everybody was starting to get into a little bit more into Faith No More, a little bit more into Helmet, a little bit more into, you know, things like even Biohazard started coming out. And sure. then, uh, you know, Judgment Night soundtrack, I think, was a huge uh, stepping point for new metal. Uh, you know, just going back with all those great collaborations between, you know, like Sir Mix-a-Lot and uh, who was, who did they do with like Mud Honey and Sir Mix-a-Lot? Yeah, and, yeah, I remember you know, that, all this, yeah. You know, all that stuff and Helmet and House of Pain and, and uh, you know, 92, 93 was just leading up to what I think with the birth of new metal would obviously be that, you know, Korn's debut in 94. Uh, right, and, right. And, yeah. when, and when that came out, you know, I was a buddy of mine. Uh, we were living in Nashville and we, he, you know, we're, we're 15. I think he's 16, 17. And uh, we drive up to Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is about an hour, hour and a half away, just as a you know, crazy late night teenager road trip. And we go to the mall, and this is when Blockbuster Music had uh, listening stations where they would open up any CD you wanted. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, and they would let you listen to it, you know, prior to buying it. And uh, I had heard of Corn from uh, Metal Maniacs magazine did a special on uh, Foundations Forum, like, 93. Oh, wow. And there was a small picture of Head down in the corner, and I was like, man, that dude looks crazy. That's when he had his little uh, little spiky things going on. Yeah, and, you know, there's yeah. the seven-string guitars and the baggy clothes. I mean, all of it just, like, as a kid, you know, being like, I think I saw it was probably about 14, 15, mm-hmm. and just seeing all that, and I'm like, man, this is something different. And so when I heard the album came out, we went and listened to it. And just that ride symbol at the beginning of Blind and just the whole buildup is just like everything kind of came together. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but in 94, when that corn album came out, I think it like totally changed my, you know, changed my life, changed my musical life completely. Sure. That's one weird thing about corn that I think we've talked about before. But, you know, corn gets the blame for creating new metal. 
But the further on they go into their career and the further on that you start to define what new metal is, the less it applies to corn directly. Yeah. But it's still cool to me that like, yeah, this is why I like new metal. Why? Because it's fun. <laughs> it was definitely always fun. That was the one thing. I mean, we would go to the go to all the shows and it was heavy. It was you know, down tuned, it was all that stuff. But at the same time it it, you know, it just it did seem a little bit more uplifting rather than a you know because I mean growing up I mean, Metallica Pantera I was also you know as my latest episode of the podcast you know I was a huge obituary fan I was a huge right. Deicide fan right. listening to all that stuff too so I guess that's what always makes for a funny guest list on my podcast because you know it's all it's it, a lot of new metal guys but at the same time you know I'm like I'll jump on a chance to talk to a dude in Deicide or obituary. Well, that uh, that really worked out for you, though, right? <laughs> like with the Deicide <laughs> one. Um, I listened to that uh, a few weeks ago, um, uh, you know, kind of because I had heard about it. Um, I heard about it before I even did podcasting or anything like that. And uh, I was like, there's like, there's this podcast and Glenn Benton from Deicide's on it. And he said he talks a bunch of shit on Slipknot and like it became this big thing. And um, it was yeah, so funny, was- too. Because I was listening to it, and I was like, he doesn't even say anything about Slipknot, and like Glenn just kind of pushes it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was honestly, man, that whole conversation, and uh, not to jump off topic, but we were, um, you know, I was just like, who would I like to talk to? And Glenn was obviously one of those guys when I was, you know, uh, I was 12 listening to Deicide and, uh, you know, Upside Down Crosses Burning Dude's Forehead, and obviously, you know, all my friends were like, dude, you got to get Glenn, you got to get Glenn. So I, right. I reached out to, to their label, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'd really love to talk to Glenn Benton. Can we make that happen? And and uh, they said, yeah, I mean, it should be no problem. And, and right. I was sitting on my couch one day, and I get an email from his publicist, and he's like, Glenn will be ready in 15 minutes. And normally, any other time of day, you, you tell me 15 minutes, I'm not going to be able to do it. I have kids, I work. But it just so happened I was home and I looked at my wife and I was like, I can call Glenn, you know, call Glenn Benson in 10 minutes. So I got to I got to do this. And so right. I came, you know, came down to the basement, called him up, talked to him for whatever. And as soon as he said that, uh, you know, uh, Slipknot can you know, or Corey Taylor, you know, blow me and all this stuff. Right. It, like, like I. I, I knew as soon as he said it, I was like, that's the blabbermouth headline right there. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and actually, I reached out to uh, reached out to him through his publicist again uh, for my episode 100 because I was going to have him come back on. Right. I was trying to find like a good celebratory 100th guest. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote me back saying, he's like, you know, Glenn actually doesn't like to do press. And that on the last album cycle i was the only interview he did oh wow. i was like wow okay. i wrote him back i was like well at least we did our job it's a big honor <laughs> though i mean you know yeah, he crazy. talked to you and didn't talk to anybody else you know yeah that was crazy that was that was honestly one of my favorite episodes because uh glenn benton he's just a character man you know <laughs> and uh, yeah right you know oh uh, just he just hearing what he had to say about stuff was just um it was a lot of fun for me, uh, especially because, like, I mean, I came from, a, like, a really big Christian background. So, like, I remember, you know, being younger and listening to stuff like Deicide and people being like, how can you relate this to your to your views on, on you know, Christianity and all that? And I was like, you know, man, it's a band and it shreds and, you know, I don't yeah. have to be I don't have to be limited by, like what their lyrical content is, you know, that's, that's him. That's not me, you know? And so, um, you know, it it didn't bother my enjoyment of the music at all, you know? (laughs) And, uh, well, I think with all that stuff, you know, you can only take it at face value anyway. It's not like, 
it's not you're gonna start you know sacrificing lambs just because you listen to a certain album i mean right you, know, you sure. want your, i always wanted my music to have a little bit of a an evil side to it so i mean how more how much more evil can you get right and uh than glenn benson it's not like i listened to it immediately you know began worshiping satan or anything like that uh, where can i buy a good sized pentagram to wear around my neck yeah <laughs> <laughs> right amazon.com right yeah, yeah you can get them like in two days or less spencer gifts or something right yeah yeah i think we actually still have a spencer gifts at our local mall st louis is like i don't know if you remember but like st louis is still very tied to the new metal movement Everybody in St. Louis is, it's all Tool, Corn, Deftones, Limp like Biscuit. that's Limp Biscuit. It is still to this day like we we were trying to play hardcore in St. Louis. It was like really m- more modern, like part of like more of the more like what you would call like the screamo or metalcore movement at that time. Like that was our band, and we kept like when we would play shows, like every other band would sound like. Deftones, or they would sound like Mudvayne, or they, you know, like it was like, and this is in like 2006, 2007, like well beyond like those bands, I guess, quote right. unquote, expiration dates, you know, like oh, that shit still gets tons of radio play out mm-hmm. here. It's insane. Well, I saw, I thought it was kind of odd that the, you know, the Guns N' Roses just announced their show there and Deftones are opening. And yeah, like, that's weird. Know, yeah. Uh, you, you know, because they're only picking, you know, a certain, a certain couple of bands for. You know, uh, here and there, it's not like they're getting the entire tour, so they picked the Def, you know, Deftones for that uh, for that market. Right. But I mean, you know, growing up in Nashville, we would uh, we would take a lot of road trips to, to you know to St. Louis, not only to, to play like I said earlier with with bands like Big Blue Monkey and Low Cash and all those bands mm-hmm. back in the back in the '90s, but we'd also go and see. Uh, I went and saw Deftones with man, that was a great show. It was Deftones, Snapcase, and Quicksand at. Uh, oh, dude, that sounds like. Awesome. I was like, was that the Amer- uh, American Theater or something like that? Where the hell was I during that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what an, what an amazing bill. Like, you yeah, know, Snapcase, for sure. Snapcase is another one of those bands I loved. But yeah, so we would uh, we would go see, I think I saw Family Values there too. Well, and like Deftones, especially um, being a band, you know, like Korn that, you know, is heavily credited with being the originators of new metal, but like the more you look at Deftones, the more you're like, yeah, it's not really. Uh, I mean, you look at like Adrenaline, yeah, I could yeah. see that being new metal, but I mean, anything beyond the fur on is is something else entirely. You know? <laughs> yeah, I remember I worked in a used record store in high school and um, had a couple friends that would come in and they would, man, corn's great, corn's great. I'm like, yeah, but if you like corn, you got to check out this band called Deftones. And right, and uh, you know, I sold a few a few copies of Adrenaline and. Uh, I actually had a friend of mine reach out to me not too long ago, and he was like, I still want to say thank you for turning me on to the Deftones back in the day. I'm like, wow, that's, that was you know, years and years ago. But yeah, Deftones, they definitely uh, you know, they definitely went their own way. But I think, you know, the first, that first album, even around the first, a little bit, and then even, uh, you know, Back to School and White Pony, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they still had their new elements tinged to them. But, uh, sure. you know, even recently, they've come out and kind of, you know, poo-pooed that. And they've always kind of, turn their back on the new metal side of it not one sure. to be lumped into that category but they're you know they're definitely in that new metal category no matter if they want to, to believe it or not right well in the new metal category you know um joe and i went and saw uh, american standards in kansas city this week and uh needless to say we spent a lot of time in the car and uh we li- <laughs> we did we did like a new metal playlist you know and uh one of the biggest things we noticed is like a lot of these new metal bands, they don't really sound 
like each other and there's not really like a unifying sound I think so like I think it's one of those things where new metal is as much as people like to use it as a genre descriptor doesn't really hold up to scrutiny <laughs> when right. you really you know you look at the originators of the style don't really play that style <laughs> and uh and and all that so like uh because we were like you know corn doesn't really sound like deftones um limp biscuit doesn't really sound like corn um you know slipknot doesn't sound like any of those bands <laughs> it's kind of a unifying name in the sense that any band that doesn't fit the mold of another genre you can just call them new metal and get away with it yeah, to an extent, I think you know we were talking a little bit about '80s glam. You know, I mean, they all pretty much they they did sound like each other. You know, they all had their their little quirks about them, but you know, for the most part, they'd they'd have a heavy song, they'd have a ballad, they'd have this you know a guitar like you know a guitar player that could shred, you know, like a Don Dokken or um, Vito Brada or something like that. But then you got new metal, like you said, where Corn doesn't sound like Deftones, Deftones doesn't sound like Fear Factory, Fear Factory doesn't sound like you know this. You know, you kind of had your you know, your staples being, you know, your down-tuned guitar and your, um, <laughs> I, I had a BC coachman of uh, non-points on, we were joking about, you know, <laughs> lots of zeros and ones. If you're into guitar tab, it was a lot of, a lot of opens and, uh, zeros and ones, you know, Oh yeah. like brown yeah. or down and in, but, uh, but you know, it was, uh, it was just, a, it was just a fun time of it, you know, but another parallel to the, you know, the glam metal thing too, with new metal is you had the fashion and the fashion I think did kind of, uh, you know, lump everyone in together with your, you know, your, your Jinkos and your baggy Dickies and your, right. <laughs> you know, your Adidas track suits and shell toed Adidas and things like that. So, I mean, it may not have sounded the same, but I think in a lot of the aspects that looked the same, you know, windbreakers and things like that. Right. Yeah. I had it all, man. Uh, it was not unusual for me to go and drop like 300 bucks at a hot topic, you know, <laughs> during that time. And you were sick in the head mixing it with grunge with the flannel shirts and everything. Well, you know what? It's weird because, yeah, so like I started with grunge and that's another style that doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. Like <laughs> right. when you really think about it, it's like, okay, so they're all from Seattle, so they're grunge. You know, like that doesn't make any sense. But, uh, you know, Allison Chains doesn't sound like Nirvana. Nirvana doesn't really sound like Soundgarden. You know, like it right. doesn't. Pearl Jam doesn't really sound like any of those bands. So it's weird hearing, you know, hearing people say, "Oh, that's all grunge music." So if you listen to that, you should have a wallet chain and a pair of Jinkos. You know, but uh, um, but yeah. So like, I, I got into new metal uh, pretty quickly after grunge. Like, I mean, Joe had showed me like you know stuff like Metallica and Megadeth and. Um, Slayer and stuff like that, and uh, I liked all that stuff. But um, what I liked about new metal was that it just really, um, really helped me at the time, you know, because I got picked on really bad in high school, you know, like in in middle school, you know, elementary and stuff like that. And listening to the corn songs that were about that, you know, um, really, uh, I I identified with that on a really personal level. But it's really weird too because like new metal being such a such a huge category. You know, it's like really you're gonna lump, you're gonna lump bands like Corn, and like Linkin Park and like Seven Dust with Mudvayne, right? You, you know, like Mudvayne is like this like super technical band, <laughs> you know. At least they were on their debut, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. LD, LD fifty is that that was uh, my return to metal was actually on LD fifty. Hearing uh, Ryan Martini just freaking did it for me. Oh yeah, that first though. I remember when uh, a buddy of mine had Dig on VHS, and it was like, it, <laughs> oh, and it yeah. was, uh, it was a, 
some sort of documentary. It was like they, they had the video, then they had the making of the video. I think they also had like playthroughs from each member of the video since it was, uh, so, you know, it was a lot of solo shots. Yeah. But yeah, we, we, we were like you know, totally blown away by those guys. And actually when I had, I'm going to do this a lot, by the way, when I'm, I'm on other podcasts, I'm always like, well, when I had this guest on, but. You're um, good, man. Travis, <laughs> Travis did it too. Well, tra- you know, Travis is allowed to do that, but um, he's a man. Right? He, is, he is the man. Yep. Talk about crush. shout out to Trav Turner as the story grows. But um, check it out, <laughs> right? Uh, who did I have on? I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> when I had Fallon Bowman of Kitty on, we were talking about uh, they were on they were on tour with Mudvayne, and just being able to see those guys. And actually, that's the one time I saw Kitty was opening for Mudvayne at a, at a small club in Tennessee. But, yeah, those guys, when they came out, you know, they, everybody kind of gave them the, the slipknot right off to begin with, but I think they sure. held their own that they held their own over time. Yeah, I mean, that was my original uh, whenever Joe Joe actually burned me a copy of Mudvayne LD50, and then I bought it, like, like two days after that. But I remember, I remember being like, well, this is just like Slipknot. Why should I listen to this and not, you know, instead of Slipknot? But, it, you know, obviously it was different. And I believe I falsely categorized it as it's Slipknot with jazz chords. Right. <laughs> it's probably not too bad. That's not too false, I guess. It's funny, too, because, like, I hold LD50 at this point in my life, like, way higher than I hold, you know, Slipknot self-titled record. And yeah. um, even though that was just really, like, ridiculous t- was that 97 or 99 joe for ld50 no uh slipknot slipknot would have been 98 or 99 okay yeah ld50 is 2000 in I think? the 2000s i believe yeah um, it's 2000 or 2001 for see LD50. how good we do our research oh. <laughs> i first heard of slipknot i was I, I saw a picture of them before i heard anything and i was like oh this is cool and then uh i remember i read a I read an album review of the first album and the very first line still sticks with me to this day just said now this is an insane clown posse I was like wow (laughs) (laughs) yikes insane because we always joked I mean how can you truly have a posse when there's only two dudes right yeah these guys got nine guys like and they're all fucking serious and nobody knew about Mushroom (laughs) Head until like three years later yeah Mushroom Head came real late to the game yeah <laughs> but according to them, they've been doing that shit since how long? You know, like ten years prior. You know. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with Mushroom Head, and, and I've heard you know many different interviews with those guys and Slipknot, and you know, was it a rip off or was it like you know collective thinking? Just in you know, what is it shared thinking or I don't know what shared consciousness? I mean, in all honesty, I mean when I was you know late nineties in Nashville, I mean we honestly had a band practice between uh, my old band another band and a couple of other friends and we had we had eight dudes in the in the band we had two singers guitar player bass player drummer we had we were going to do a, a dj and a keyboard player and this is all prior to slipknot so i mean oh, i think shit, it was just yeah. something and it was something in the air i don't think it was necessarily you know we were like hey this band out of cleveland called you know mushroom heads doing this uh doing this thing let's let's rip them off it was i think it was just maybe a sign of the times or just something something going on around there yeah yeah, I think it was collective thinking too, because it seemed like in the ni- late '90s everybody had kind of this like Kiss Psycho Circus mindset, yeah. you know, where it was like we're going to do the clown. Like clowns were like huge in the '90s for some <laughs> right. reason. I don't it, even know why, was, but it like was right it, after uh, it, 
Yeah, right after it. Yeah, with Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was just Pennywise. Everybody, yes. everybody wanted to do that clown. And I think like Batman's Joker had a lot to do with that because there was a really successful '90s Batman cartoon that was going on at the time, and everybody loved uh, like Mark Hamill's Joker character. And I think that mixed with like the you know you take Kiss's image <laughs> with heavy metal, and you you know. Um, obviously like for whatever reason it sounded like a really good idea to everybody at the time you know <laughs> right heading back to let's, let's jump back to Limp Biscuit real quick because I know you hate them but uh oh yeah let's get it let's uh, get it out of the way let's get the hate out yeah <laughs> no, this Limp Biscuit is probably one of my all-time favorite live bands I've ever seen in my life yeah. by the way um I saw them prior to a three dollar bill y'all they actually were opening for uh corn and helmet together it was corn helmets okay. and Limp Biscuit. And we got to the venue as I think Limbiscuit was playing Faith. We're like, okay, you know, yeah, I, I right. walked into my friend. Friends like, dude, they're playing George Michael's Faith. This is crazy. And we go, you know, we go watch the show. And you know, man, when I was in my teenage years, I was totally the dude that hung around the buses and waited for hours for autographs and shaking hands, you know, things like that. Sure, prior to yeah. prior to playing in bands, I was always, you know, a buddy of mine, another friend of mine. We would sit and just, you know. It almost became a game. It was like a hide and go seek kind of game, you know. Like, can we meet the band? Sure. You know, kind of stuff. But we, we you know, we go and hang, hang around Corn's buses. Limp Biscuits out there hang, handing out a uh, little cassette samplers of their album that's about to come out. Sure. And man, we wore that cassette out. It was it was so crazy. It had like stuck on it and a couple of other songs. And then a couple of months after a three dollar bill, y'all comes out. Uh, it's announced that Limp Biscuits coming to Nashville at a small club. And I go down to the venue, and I literally told the club owner, I was like, if you want people in this venue, you will put my band on the bill. like Because nice. nobody knew who they were. And uh, But, man, we promoted the hell out of that show. And I've still got video of Fred, you know, kind of calling out my old band from the stage. And a side note story I think I've told before, but uh, he comes up to me after the show, and he goes, hey, man, I've got this studio in Florida. I'd love for you to come down and do some demos. Uh, you know, you guys were great. You guys had a lot of, a lot of stuff to see some potential. But at the time, I mean, even though we were big fans, we didn't really know Fred Durst. It was he wasn't Fred Durst yet. He was right. still the dude from this guy. Yeah. So a few years later, I'm reading an article with Stained, and Stained had opened for them after we did on that same tour. And uh, Aaron Lewis is like, "Yeah, man, Fred came up to me after the show. He goes, uh, we, I have a studio in Florida. Oh man, uh, I'd love for you to come down and do some demos. I see a lot of potential with you guys. And we jumped on the opportunity, and we, you know, and the rest is history. And I'm like, oh well, man. shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So that, that's my Limp Biscuit story. So the nice stuff that I'm going to say about Limp Biscuit is that, like, first of all, no matter what anybody that's listening to this podcast right now may think about Limp Biscuit now in 2017. Back then, they were kind of the shit. You know, like, I mean, yeah, you can say whatever you want to say about how they're douchebags and that, that Fred Durst created this persona that, that, that followed people. You know, um, anybody that dresses like Fred Durst now is going to get fucking, you know, crucified, <laughs> you know, if they act like that or, or whatever. But, you know, when $3 Bill Y'all came out, it was like, I remember listening to it and really liking it and thinking it was just fucking great. And, you know, um, I liked how angry the lyrics were and I liked that it was like hip hop, but with, you know, metal in the background, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, maybe, 
it, maybe it's it's easy to say now that like oh well it wasn't really metal it was new metal or whatever like you again it's just one of those like old guy statements where it's like you would have had to have just been around back then mm-hmm. to really understand why Limp Bizkit was popular you know why they did this was a good Fred Dirks was an extremely energetic vocalist um he was really positive about reaching out to other bands you know, like stained, like to your band, you know, like it was <laughs> right. one of those, like he, he wanted, he wanted to take what they were doing and take it on a national level. And it was extremely ambitious and it was positive and it was a good vibe. Yeah. The dude was a hell of an entrepreneur, knew how to market. Yeah. yeah he was. And and he, didn't, he landed a job as basically like the A&R guy for uh, what level was it? Def Jam Records? Either that or like flip interscope or something. Yeah, like he was he was a big deal. Like he was basically like raking in money from that and from his band. So like I you remember know. there was a time whenever they there was uh, the talk of him taking over for uh, Hugh Hefner. Oh yeah, was, yeah. yeah with, uh, <laughs> He'd have done it too, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well I, I, with that guy with Fred Durst, you know, meeting him when I was I, I opened for him. Literally, I graduated high school, and then like two months later, we opened for Limp Bizkit. Like we were, you know, that's how kind of quickly it kind of came along. But um, it's badass though, you know, at least at that yeah, time. Yeah, it was, you know? it was good. <laughs> um, he he had the that it factor, like you know, if you you know that that magnetism that some people just have. And honestly, I I hadn't met anyone else like that until I met Bobby Burns from Primer Fifty Five. Uh-huh. I actually met met them um, randomly at a show. Like they ended up, uh, they were supposed to open for Stained, but Stained ended up canceling, and Primer. Shocker. So the so Primer played an extended set, and then I met Bobby after. And this is you know when I was in my you know local rock star phase, and you know uh, I'd go up to Bobby and talk to him for a little bit, and he, man, he just had it too. It was it was such a crazy uh, crazy thing to be around. And so when it, when I got the opportunity to even audition for Primer, I jumped at it because you know I'm like this guy's going places kind of thing. Oh yeah. Honestly, like, I, and, and I'm surprised actually that Primer didn't get bigger than they did because I listen to those records and I don't hear anything that's like, okay, this is what's holding them back. Or, right. you know, like, I didn't have, I didn't have that moment where I was like, you know, this is going to sound dated or, the, I mean, it's like I could still listen to, um, more so on the new release, um, than the first album. But I hear I hear the new release, and there was a lot more experimentation with sound and stuff on it. And I, I think I think that that was more of like a little bit more timeless than uh, the first album. And uh, you know, I just I uh, I think that they I don't know. I just think Primer was uh, was definitely you know like you said if if it hadn't been for the nine eleven stuff and the weird shift in music that took place after that, um, I think they would have been a household name. You know. <laughs> hundred percent, and they were to some people. I mean, shit. Our local radio station on the point still plays Primer Fifty Five. Yeah, at least twice you know. a day. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't know that. Um, we uh, you know, Bobby had always joked that he wished that I would have joined the band earlier, because honestly, by the time I joined the band, they were so dysfunctional. Right. Like it was one of the most dysfunctional vans going down the highway ever you know sure bobby and jason hated each other bobby and preston hated each other they all hated me like i was starting to hate them because you know i'm i had toured you know most of the country in my band out of tennessee right but when it came time to you know when we started doing actual national tours 
in primer you know we, we toured with dope at one point and just you know a lot of that type of stuff doing the bigger tours you know i'm like here i am let's do this it's about time right. um, you know but then at one point it just became like you know this is what it is this is what i get to do you know it's just it was just it was so much like venom and hatred going on in that in that uh in that van and then we ended up uh, breaking up shortly after that in like early 03 right. and then <clears throat> 2007 came around and we actually did another uh, another about six week run and it was more of the same and, and Bob, you know Jason ended, or, uh, Bobby ended up keeping the name and kind of doing the he was the only original member for a long time right. until he finally uh, I think he finally shut it down I think in 2015 wow that I mean that went on a long time I mean because I mean even even in 03 I think you you may have noticed too, like when you're playing shows, that there's probably like kind of a shift in the music, like in the sense that people weren't really looking for that sound as much of it. Because I remember like right. pop punk had exploded. Pop punk emo was huge, and then uh, <clears throat> pop punk. I mean, thankfully led to you know more of this. Like they started incorporating more screaming into the music, and then you ended up with like the screamo stuff. And then, uh, which eventually, you know, people were willing to give bands like uh, Azalee Dying and Kill Switch Engage, like, they were willing to give those bands a chance, you know. Um, which is funny, because I listen to those bands, um, and a really good example I like to use is uh, Il Nino. <laughs> Il Nino started off as kind of a more new metal band that had no issue just moving straight on into the metalcore stuff. <laughs> you know, like, they yeah. literally just did what they did before, but added a little bit more of like that Swedish Gothenburg type shit that was, you know, it's not shit. We're going to be talking about it literally tomorrow, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that, you know, they, they had no trouble transitioning. I think Slipknot, Slipknot had a little bit of trouble transitioning out of what they were known for, but kind of really came back in a huge way. Um, oh, yeah. They were unstoppable. Um, Mudvayne. Mudvayne kind of, kind of, kind of stayed relevant somehow too. And like bands like Disturb stayed relevant, and Corn stayed relevant. And but they all, they like, it seemed like they were all doing so much to try to differentiate themselves from where they started. You know, um, which is kind of sad. You know, it's kind of funny. We we had transitioned in Primer, and our last tour we did. It was kind of funny if you look back on pictures and stuff of that tour. You know, I've got dyed jet black straightened straightened hair right with, with eyeliner and black nail polish and we're all in black and like i mean we looked like emo kids sure but you know prior to emo being a thing it was kind of funny uh you know music was kind of taking that direction and you know even on that primer tour you know we're out there playing new metal but in the van you know we're listening to you know we're listening to all the the pop punk and even the you know all the the, the early days of like metalcore and mm-hmm. you know even through all that I, you know like i said earlier i was listening to snapcase and hate breed and all that stuff right. too so it was, it, it was it was always kind of funny to 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 be in a new in a new metal band when you're you know all over the place musically like i've always been but uh, you know talking about stained i think that they were one of the bands that were able to write good songs and you know they they had their new metal moments, but I think at the at the core of the band they were always just a good singer songwriter kind of band. Sure, I mean Aaron Lewis has been making huge waves in country music. You know, yeah, that's crazy lately. Which it's it's crazy, but if you really think about it, if you look at the songs by Stain that were the most successful, I mean, sure, Mud yeah. Shovel was cool, Raw was cool. You know, Break the Cycle 
Break the Cycle is a really interesting album in that everybody bought it, but they bought it for like the acoustic songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They bought it for It's Been a While and Epiphany and Outside and all that. And uh, it's weird hearing that because like you listen to the other songs on Break the Cycle and they sound like they sound like the same shit that was on Dysfunction, you know, <laughs> like. Right. Yeah, they were always a band that, you know, he's definitely not too too far fetched from what he, you know, did in Stained. And even to, you know, if Fred Durst would have gone country, everybody would probably, you know, give him the old cockeye or something or, sure. a, or a country Jonathan Davis album or something. But Aaron Lewis going country, you're like, yeah, that sounds about right. Right. Worked out for Kid Rock, you know. Yeah, true. <laughs> everybody loves Kid Rock in the country, you know. Scene, yeah, that guy just—he was able to just you know go through all boundaries of music. It's it's yeah. insane that guy's career. I was never a huge fan, but uh, no. but always you know kind of kept up and respected what he did, but necess- not necessarily you know something I I listened to. Right. Well, it's weird too that like we we talked about Insane Clown Posse earlier. It's kind of weird too that a lot of the bands that played new metal or continued to play new metal throughout the two thousands kind of started being like adopted by the ICP community. <laughs> yeah. Um like Mushroom Head I think just recently played like a Juggalo festival and and all that stuff and uh it's hard for me to talk about because I have like if I could have like a negative respect for a group it would be the insane clown posse, you know, like I just I don't get it. I don't want to get it. I don't you know. <laughs> um I I've I've moved on from that. Like I understand why they were popular in the 90s. But, like, the people that are still around that still swear by them that are, like, you know, in their 40s and, like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, I work as a, uh, I work as a broadband technician, but on the weekends I put, you know, con makeup <laughs> on and I go and see Mushroom Head and, you know, I go and see Mushroom Head and ICP play it. It's like, what the fuck is that? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The Gathering of the Juggalos, if you look at the lineup every year, they have a couple of bands. You're like, wow, I can't believe that that band's playing there. Or they have comedians that you would never think that would uh, go and do a Gathering of the Juggalos type thing. Right. And actually, the last the last show Primer played before I joined was the 2002 Gathering of the Juggalos. Wow. And the, yeah, I could and see the that, fir- <laughs> The first show they played after I left was the 2008 Gathering of the Juggalos. So I never actually got to play it. I was I was one show off on both ends of my uh, career. Well, maybe you're lucky. I don't know. Like I it's it's weird like I'm not like here to talk shit on ICP because I mean I guess they like murder people or whatever that yeah. That's according to <laughs> according to them that's what they do, but according uh, to their lyrics. Right, yeah. But you know, according to their lyrics too, they don't know how like magnets work, and you know, <laughs> it's sort of, uh, that that's what blew my mind. Like, because I remember being in high school, and like everybody in my high school was like really into ICP, and like I could get away like if I wore a Slipknot shirt or something, they'd be like, "All right, this guy's okay," you know. But like, I remember it being this kind of weird, a weird time where like I remember fuck, I was at uh, I was hanging out with a couple of my buddies. And I think I told my parents I'd be home at like 9 p.m. or something, but there was this ICP show that was that night, and I uh, I got in the car with these guys, and there was like this 37-year-old guy that was driving. <laughs> he just like turns around and looks at me, like real serious, like dead fucking serious, like, are you down with the clown? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I got to be at church on Sunday. What are you talking about? You know, like, this is weird. You know, and... Uh, I went, uh, 
you know, uh, it was just one of those really weird situations where I was like, I don't like this. And it's weird because like I'd been talked into going into like, um, going to shows like that, you know, like I would go and see Slayer or I'd go and see DSI if they came to town or, um, you know, like all these bands that were just like really, you know, um, not what the most popular, you know, the, the popular opinion was at the time. And, uh, I remember that, all that being weird, but I remember just this, this impression that insane clown posse left on me where I was like really turned off by this idea of like this, like tough guy aspect of it all. Like all these guys are like, they're like nerds, they're rejects or whatever, but they are like super tough and they'll beat your ass and they're a group and they'll get, you know, like I remember just thinking all that stuff was really shitty. And then I, I ran into that a lot with uh slipknot fans too, early on that like, yeah. they're like, yeah, we're maggots. We have, you know, slipknot patches on our wallets. And I was like, dude, I like slipknot. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and they're like, yeah, but you know, you need to really get into the lyrics or whatever. And I was like, dude, the lyrics are just fucking drivel, you know, like, it's I'm angry at this or I'm angry at that or fuck God this or fuck Jesus that. And, you know, it was like, yeah, I mean, I understand maybe why they feel that way, but I'm not like, at that time, right. I remember with new Metal not being like all that, like, the, I liked the music. I didn't like the lyrics as much because it just seemed like really tough, really fake, really um, weird, you know, and like with the rapcore bands, like I, you know, I didn't live on the street. I didn't live, you know, um, and with new metal, I always felt like new metal was targeted more towards like people like me that lived in the suburbs and, you know, right, um, right. wore backwards baseball caps and, 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 you know, Jinko shorts and, you know, and stuff like that. So um, it was a really, it was a really, really odd time. And the, the the amount of like fanaticism that came from the fans, it just it shocks me that it was such a huge movement. Well, I think you you're hitting on it, and you just don't even realize it. You talked about all these people; they're rejects, sure. And you get they're actually having a place to belong, sure. I mean, that's really what it is. I, and I, I mean, I'm not a big ICP guy at all, but I get it. I mean, I mean, they're they're pretty smart. I mean, they, they're given these people that that don't feel like they fit in anywhere a place to go to do their thing and feel like they belong to a group and whenever somebody who's a reject you know or an outsider because i was an outsider in high school and you give them a, a sense of belonging you know they are going to fight for it tooth and nail and yeah they're going to be fanatical about it because they don't want to lose that feeling they don't want to let it go Sure, and and that's the reason why people are juggalos, I right? Mean, what, what, whether you like the music, whether you like what they stand for or not, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with it. Is because it gives them a sense of belonging. Well, not so much on the juggalo side, but I guess my biggest question about all of that is that why is it that in two thousand and two, two thousand three, everybody literally just collectively stopped giving a fuck? Like that's the yeah. thing I don't understand about new metal is that it was at it's literally at its height as you know, it was at that time it was it was metal. Nobody fucking called it new metal when I was in high school. Nobody's like, Oh, this is new metal. You don't want to listen to the like it it was it was literally just it was the metal, I guess, of like our day, you know, <laughs> like um nobody yeah, nobody mean, I, really I questioned the, as to the, whether the term, it was new metal. You know, the term new metal being thrown around but you know, it's not like I ever went out like, yeah, I'm in a new metal band. I mean, now I'm, I say I'm, I was, I was in a new metal band, but sure. back then it wasn't like, yeah, you know, we're new metal. I, you know, people always be like, what kind of music are you? Like, oh, we're heavy. You know, we're kind of like corn or something. But uh, right. But 
I've lost my train of thought here. Um, oh, so, you know, back 2003, 2002, 2003, I mean, we kind of talked about it earlier. A whole lot of it was at the time, you know, it was just oversaturation. There were so many just just carbon copies of of this, that, and the other thing coming out. I mean, it was, it had ran its course. I mean, you know, roughly, if you think about our first corn album is 94, right. you know, the, 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 the birth of new metal, all that stuff in the, you know, 92, 93 is all kind of coming to a head. Right. You, know, you got a 10 year run in there. I mean, a 10 year run for any genre of music is going to explode at one point or implode. Right. You know, that's like the glam stuff, you know, the glam stuff ended, you know, 89, 90, 91. Um, you know, it is, it, it got to a peak and then all of a sudden it just, you know, Warrant and Cinderella and all those guys just started putting out garbage albums. Right. And then, uh, you know, a little, little known band of Nirvana comes along. Right. And I, I was watching MTV at the time. You know, my, my friend had it. I didn't have it. We were poor, but I was at his house and we were watching, you know, watching MTV and, you know, never mind. And uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit came on and Pearl Jam's Alive started coming on. And, right. and it just felt different. Like it just felt different like music was changing because I, even though I was only nine, 10, 11 at the end of the glam era, my cousins that were older than me were listening to it and check this band out. They're called firehouse and check this one out. They're called, you know, winger. And, right. and I was like, I was into it. I thought it was kind of cool, but you know, and I wanted to be play music, but I actually funny that I later on I ended up wearing eyeliner and nail polish. But right. And, you know, at the, at the time I was like, man, if you got to dress like a girl to play music, I'm not doing that. Right. And, and so it actually <laughs> deterred me from playing music until I heard Metallica. And I was like, all right, I'm going to play bass like Cliff Burton. But, right. uh, power to you. But yeah. That's so a good person. To, yeah. yeah. That's a good person. To <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No question about that. No, not at all. But I got to you know, love Cliff Burton. But yeah, at the time, I mean, what it was, I think it was just, it's oversaturation. It just became a, almost a parody of itself. And then, you know, 2003, 2004, you're starting to see Lamb of God pop up and Kill Switch Engage. And, sure. you know, all these bands are starting to come out and, like, actually play metal again. And, you know, I think it was I think it was just time. I think, it, you know, Trey, you brought the guitar solo back and Avenged Sevenfold sure. brought the guitar solo back. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just came back around again. I think it was just a new generation of, of fans. Yeah, I think so, too. I think um, I remember... You know, getting into, you know, 2006, 2007, and I was, uh, I graduated high school out of, I guess, 2004, so I would have been graduating a little bit after the new metal movement. I keep forgetting how much older I am. Yeah, I know, you're you're an old fart, Jeff. Uh, But uh, (laughs) we, uh, I remember our band, we had a band that played like a new metal-ish style, you know, starting off, and we played, uh, we played at our high school, and, um. I remember the first year we played, it was like new metal, like uh, Linkin Park had just become huge. And we, uh, unless my timeline's all fucked up, but I remember <laughs> everybody liked that melodic vocal or, or whatever. And uh, so I did that. I would sing or whatever. And um, people liked it and they were all into it or whatever. So, like, literally a year later, we came back, I guess, in 2000. And f- was it 2004, Joe, or was it three? Three. Okay. We played, uh, we played again and we were the same band and I had, I had been listening to shit like Norma Jean and Converge and, you know, like all this stuff. So like we get up on stage and like literally all the singing's gone and I'm just the whole time and it was just like chaos and feedback and stuff. 
I remember all these dudes in Slipknot shirts were like, you know, because St. Louis is like really fucking behind, you know. So like, <laughs> you know, all these dudes in Slipknot shirts are like, dude, you know what song you guys should cover? You should cover that song. Let the bodies hit the floor by Drowning Pool, and it'd be so cool or whatever. And I'd be all like. Well, you know, the shit that we played was like way heavier than that, you know. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, do you guys do you guys listen to, you know, good metal and, you know, that was that was the beginning of my asshole elitist days. <laughs> like nice. You know, yeah. Everybody everybody has them whether they want to admit it or not. Whenever they start listening to music that they identify with stronger than what they had before, there's this there's this almost denial, you know, of, "Oh no, man, I was never into shit like that." You know, like um, even though, you know, it's like, dude, two years ago, you used to come to school in like big baggy pants and Adidas shirts and, you know, <laughs> you had these, you had these wallet chains and shit, you know, like, but I mean, what the fuck is that? You know? <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. It, it changed, it changed dramatically over, you know, 2004 to 2007, 2008, you know, the whole, you know, baggy pants were gone and, you know, you were wearing girl jeans and, and, you know, all this other nonsense. So yeah, it was, it was a cosmic shift in the world. And actually that, that almost cements what i was saying earlier about you know for a long time it was not cool to say i was in primer 55 it was right. kind of like almost a black mark because of people that were into it at one point became a metal elitist and like oh well, you're in a new metal band you know fuck you sure, and then yeah. and then now we're, we're back around again to where we're all old people and you know it's right. like wow that was cool you were in a new metal band it's same thing man I, when i the band i, I kind of reference it's a band called 12 volt negative earth we were out of nashville we yeah. had a couple albums out it was it yeah. was a fun band to be in but uh we actually did a um man, I, I don't know how long ago i told this story on the podcast but when i was in high school fred Corey, the drummer of cinderella mo- moved to my suburb of nashville which is hendersonville tennessee that's where johnny cash was from it's or yeah, lived, yeah. that's where all that stuff so I, li- I grew up in hendersonville graduated hendersonville high school and uh my senior year of high school there was a used record store in a strip mall that i would go to every day after school mm-hmm. and this dude that worked there mike richards i would just pick his brain every day i mean he was probably i don't honestly to this day i don't know how much older he was he was probably maybe maybe in his 30s maybe late 20s i don't know when you're 17 everybody over 20 is old yeah ancient <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh but man, I would go in there every day and pick his brain. He would tell me about Vinnie Vincent and you know all kinds of crazy stuff. Nice. And one day I walked in there, and uh, he goes, "Man, Fred Corey from Cinderella was just in here. He just moved to town and he built a you know a gigantic studio, and he's looking for bands to produce." I gave, yeah. you know, I gave him your number, and I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And yeah, uh, because he recorded you guys, right? Yeah, he for, recorded yeah. the first uh, early demos and then our second EP, but. And actually, we actually opened for Cinderella at Pops in 1997. That's fucking <laughs> Which is awesome. Fucking crazy. We actually opened for Earth Crisis, or we opened for Cinderella, and then two days later we opened for Earth Crisis <laughs> on, that same, on the same tour. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the late 90s for you in a nutshell. You guys stopped eating meat after that, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we didn't. We actually were we play. You know, we there's a video of us watching them, and our singer was like. You know, screaming about meat or something. I don't know. It was yeah. really stupid. But I'm going to go we were, get a we big were, fucking steak right now, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were much younger at the time. Sure. But what I, what I was getting at was even though Cinderella had just broke up maybe three or four years earlier, you know, 90, I think they did their last stuff in like 94. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, they, they were they were still at their height only four or five years earlier. Right. But to, but to us, 
they were washed up, you know, has-beens, you know, and, and stuff like that. And Old school, it's dad we, metal. We knew, yeah. You know, yeah, we knew that the, you know, night songs and stuff was kind of cool, but at the time we're like, yeah, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. And then now, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, we actually worked with Fred. It's kind of Right, cool. yeah. Yeah, like, now it's, it's like, really cool. You know, <laughs> like, at then, it was like, yeah. oh. Because I think, I think nowadays, I guess because there's so many older guys doing podcasts and doing blogs and doing stuff like that, there's a certain sense of, like, no, man, all this shit that I used to like is actually really cool. And if you listen to, like, because I guess a lot of the more modern metal stuff is more classically metal based i think people build a little bit more of an appreciation for stuff like that whereas with new metal it was like almost a straight rejection of hair metal you know oh yeah absolutely and at one point we actually lost our drummer and fred wanted to be in the band oh shit and we actually said no to him oh my god because we didn't want to be you know 12 volt negative featuring featuring fred Corey of cinderella like you know even back then we'd be like yeah, Fred Corey from Cinderella produced our album, and we'd get like a you know somebody looking at us cross-eyed. <laughs> just okay, like, great. So should I? We so for the show, should we have a whole bunch of hairspray ready? You know, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, it's funny looking back and how that stuff you know how that stuff makes it makes it seem funny in an odd parallel. Like even when uh, Mike Portnoy joined Avenged Sevenfold, it was still kind of that was even kind of weird. You know, that was and super like, weird. Yeah, I remember being like, "What the fuck is?" Time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that being really odd. (laughs) And then he would come to shows, and he would just get up there and play one song. Yeah, right? Yeah. All right, Josh, settle an argument that no one in this room is having. Is Rage Against the Machine new metal? Oh. I I would lump them in the new metal category. I I wouldn't see why not. I think they have all the elements, and they were probably one of the, you know, one of the fathers of it. You know, those guys and... uh, you know the first the first raising the machine album. I honestly I remember seeing those videos and just thinking it was garbage. And then a couple of years later, it kind of clicked, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually really awesome." But you know the whole repetitive lyrics and, and screaming things like that. That's a that's a staple of new metal. So yeah, they were definitely new metal. I think it was an influence for sure. If, if anything, um, they're remember, still one of the few bands that when I listen to them, it it doesn't sound dated to me. Even though I know some of this shit came out in '92, I think it sounds like '92, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, their later <laughs> no. stuff sounds a little bit better, but um, no, that first album, I still listen to the shit out of that thing. I think yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, that's great. It's great. One of the probably one of the best debut albums of all time. I would oh, agree, for sure. I would agree with that. Well, the influence no, I, of it is undeniable on new metal too. Like just. Nobody was really doing that, like the hip hop and, and spoken word. And all yeah, that stuff. dude, yeah. it was just, it was different. It was cool, it, you know. Guitar noises. Yeah, yeah. I still I listen mean, to it because that's like my high school days. So that right makes me feel. Young. I remember a few years ago online, there was a video of like their their second show ever showed up online, and it sounds like the first album. I was like, they, do oh. they not have a bad? You know, did they, did they not start out like every other band and sound like shit? Yeah, weren't they know, shitty they, before that? Like everyone's supposed to be shitty, you know? Yeah, it was like the second <laughs> show ever. They're playing like a like a, a college, like you know, cafeteria during the day. It's it's like all this other stuff, but the the music on stage sounds like the first album, and you're like, man, motherfucker, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I can't but, I can't do a podcast for some reason without mentioning um, Christian rock bands <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's, it's, just, it's, it's my why. upbringing. It's where I started, I guess. Um, I'm one of those weird guys that's a metal commentator that started with Christian metal, you know. Um, 
because that's all I was allowed to listen to, you know, when I was younger. And um, so anytime I would go listen to something like Slayer or Slipknot or whatever, it was like a rebellion, you know, like. Nice. <laughs> and, that was uh, better than me. My uh, grandmother used to buy me Carmen CDs, if you remember who Carmen is. I got a funny story about Carmen that I'm going to save for a different podcast. But uh, <laughs> they. Uh, but have you ever heard of a band called uh, Project 86? Yeah, yeah. I remember those guys. Yeah. they. Um, so let's say you're a kid in high school and everybody loves Slipknot and Static X and Mudvayne and shit. And then this band called Project 86 comes out on uh, Atlantic and or Tooth & Nail Records. But it was like a joint release or whatever. Their album, Drawing Black Lines, which I would still heavily consider to be a new metal album, was literally like the best fucking thing that I had heard um, up to that point coming out of it. I mean, like you had POD and stuff before that, but um, POD always came off to me, and even to this day, still very kind of cheesy and, you know. Um, yeah. You know. Um, which is really weird, though, because their POD... Their release was, wasn't that bad, actually. Huh? Their newest release was actually pretty good, I thought. Well, P.O.D. was weird, and, like, I could never figure out how that band got as popular as they did. You know, like, they were... Uh, well, they were the they were the band that made it through 9-11, mm-hmm. and honestly, they were probably the one of the few bands that almost made a career because of 9-11, because of Alive. Right, I mean, that yeah. was like that was yeah. like the anthem of of the two days after. I mean, it's just like you could not have picked a better song to release, and on you know, crazy right. to say, you know, for a tragedy like that to happen. But I mean, that became you know basically the anthem of uh, you know we're we're all still here, we're all still alive, and everybody wanted to sing about it and have something somewhat positive. So yeah, they were the of all the bands that talk about nine eleven ruining careers, and you know, a friend of mm-hmm. mine's. A friend of mine's album came out on 9/11. That was a Tuesday. So you did know, uh, was, so did Satellite by POD. Yeah, came out on right. Yeah, so 11. so like yeah. so that they they pretty much you know uh, benefited from from a tragedy like that to where her album you know pretty much went into the tank because you know all the record labels were in New York. I mean the, the entire city shut down for months and right. you know any kind of push promotion you were about to have was. You know, pretty much shot. It was gone, I know, I know yeah. a lot of people use that as kind of a crutch, like, oh, well, if it wasn't for 9/11, you know, that we wouldn't have this, we wouldn't have that. But, you know, I think in a lot of ways that it, it was true. Yeah. And the other thing that's great about POD, they launched Katy Perry's career. Did no, they? There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's in uh, Youth yeah. of a Nation video, I believe. I think it's okay. that one. Yeah. And she's like a teenager. I. I just having a little fun, but yeah. Just well, use, I know they had uh, they had that video for Boom that had Blindside. They were playing ping pong against the band Blindside oh, <laughs> in their yeah. video. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a favorite of mine. Silence. Yeah, that's a great album. Yeah, absolutely. Those are like those weird new metal albums that were uh, still okay after September 11th. And I think it was just because, like, I think it was, honest to God, was because they were Christian albums and they gave people hope, I guess, or whatever. It was, like, one of those, like, for the first time in, like, decades, everybody wasn't focusing on, like, the negative aspects of that. They right. were they were focusing more on the spiritual work. I think everybody got a lot more. Yeah, there more. was, like, a whole slew of Christian bands that got real popular. Yeah, America, America became much more... Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say Christian because no, they became more spiritual because um, yeah, they, they, they were emotional because of what happened. I mean, right? Yeah, they were more. Uh, they were more emotional, and and everybody became more spiritual, whether that was like a religion or not. I think they heard they heard kind of hopeful lyrics and kind of almost like starry eyed because the downside to all of that, I guess, would be like where America is now, which we're not going to go into too much, but you know. <laughs> um, because you had all those people that were like really spiritual, but like now in 2017, 
all the bad aspects of religion are coming out of the racism and the homophobia and the, you know, all that stuff has become like the pinnacle of, you know, what people don't want. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I mean, back at that time, I think everybody was a little bit more united. And I think that's, that's gotta be the only way the the only reason that bands like that survived, because I don't think that they were really playing a style that was that original in the sense of there were bands that sounded like POD before POD. There were bands that sounded like, um, like Project 86 before Project 86. So there were bands that sounded like Blindside before that. And, um, it was just a really weird, uh, really weird thing because I feel like Christian music didn't really, really go anywhere before, um, before like the metalcore thing, you know? Oh, absolutely. Speaking of Christian stuff, this is actually kind of funny. Um, my very first thing I ever did radio-wise, and this is the only thing I ever did, I guess, technically radio-wise, yeah. was uh, there was a college radio station in Hendersonville, actually one town over in Gallatin, but we're, that's too much semantics. But uh, right. they had, uh, they had a, a college radio station, and if they didn't have enough students that would take the, uh, take the shifts, you could actually volunteer and yeah. go in and, and do a show. And so I was like, man, I want to show, I want to be able to play, you know, Metallica and Pantera and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. So I, so I signed up for it and they're like, all right, well, the only thing we have available is Sunday morning church drive time, whatever. And (laughs) so I was like, so I took it. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll get my foot in the door kind of thing. And literally I got my foot in the door. I mean, they literally just, I think they gave me a key and showed me how to turn everything on. Right. And let me, and like just play gospel. And, and then the guy <laughs> that comes in, they, you know, Ooh. so I did, I, you know, I probably only did four shows or something. I was like, man, this is really stupid. Right. Yeah. But, uh, Why would I play but I, I, I kind of learned what yeah. I was doing, I guess, at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the guy that came in after me was like this dude that, uh, you know, he, I, I you know, I was very subdued. I'm like, you know, good morning, everybody, blah, blah, blah. He right. came in and just raging. Like he was, he 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 took the mic, stood up, was like, put the headphones on, put on some tourniquet, and just went to town. And he was tourniquet. like, one yeah. of the, one of the most, yeah. So like, that's the one dude that anytime Trav talks about some of these, uh, you know, Trav from as the story grows, when he talks about some of the Christian metal guys, I always think about this one DJ that came in after me on Sundays uh-huh. and felt like a three hour block. He would just play Christian metal, and he would I would I would just watch him because he he was a sight to see. You know, do his job, and it was so much fun to watch. I mean, he would play those, you know, the believers and and tourniquets and all those. Things. You know, that's that's my reference point to, to Christian metal is that guy. Yeah, well, that's a good reference point to have, honestly, because that was one of the, that was kind of what was considered the golden era of Christian metal music, because it was it had kind of reached a point where it wasn't trying to sound like the hair metal bands that were that were popular at the time. It was actually. You look at a band like Believer, and it's almost hard to believe that that's even like a Christian metal band because they were so extreme, you know, <laughs> like like for their time period. And um, I'm gonna try to jump off this train as quick as I can because we always derail <laughs> into the Christian metal stuff. But uh, me and uh, me and my friend Buddy, who uh, has been on a few episodes, uh, he's actually gonna be on tomorrow night too. Him and I ran it. We did the same thing. It was a college radio station. Um, in St. Louis, it was a show called the fast lane and all we played was Christian metal. <laughs> and, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we were, we were dicks, you know, like when people would call in, we'd be like, can you play Prodigy six or POD? We'd be like, no fucker. It's actually dying or nothing. You know, <laughs> right. and it was like, you know, 
Uh, Which in hindsight, you probably should have played the POD and the Project 86. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> have you ever wanted to murder your, your life? Wife. Check, yeah, that's check, murder your again. wife. Check out as LA dying. Yeah, <laughs> you got He's to fully actually, express your hatred of Pantera while doing that. Hey, man, do you guys play Pantera? Yeah, we no. got a lot of that shit. Actually, yeah, like, and we're like, dude, it's a Christian metal show. We're not about stuff like Pantera. They're very anti-religion and all this, you know, which is like totally an act because like we do that, we do that radio show for two hours, then I'd go home and I'd be driving home listening to Slayer all the way home, or you nice. know, um, I would listen to stuff that was very like not that because to me it's it's always been about the music and not so much about the lyrics with pretty much everything I've been into. Um, because I just I like stuff that's good. I like stuff that I think is relevant. And to say that like oh well you can't listen to this band because they have satanic lyrics or on the flip side you can't listen to this band because they've got religious lyrics. You know like none of that stuff really made sense to me. I was like if I if I listen to it and I like it that's a good enough justification to just keep going with it. You know. Absolutely, man. <clears throat> How about we do uh, everybody's favorite new metal band? Oh shit! You look at you trying to stay on topic. I know. I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> he's a, he's bringing it back. All right, my I, I think uh, I'm gonna have a tie. Okay. Because uh, okay, my, you my, set I, the I, rules and say pick a favorite, but now you got a tie. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck That's, is that? Yeah, all right, all right, flaw. Then I, I I won't say. You like flaw? Yeah, I love. I still love flaw. That wow. that, that that first album, man. I just if it was a tape, I, I probably would have had to buy it six times if it wasn't. It. But I'm a C- I was a CD guy. But yeah, yeah I love that thing. Listen to it over and over and over and over again. What's funny about Flaw is they're from here. They're from Louisville. Yeah. And they, um, my wife is from Louisville, and Primer was technically a Louisville band. Like they were. Sorry to bring it back around to Primer, but what Primer did is Primer was signed out of Memphis. Okay. And and Bob, Bobby was from the Louisville area. So basically when he got signed, he moved the band to Louisville. So they kind of came in town as a signed band. They were never had a local following. They were never the local heroes. Right. Flaw, on the other hand, local heroes. Like they, over the years, even if it was just Chris Voles and a couple of dudes playing right. as Flaw, they would still sell three, 400 tickets. It's, it's always been like that. It's crazy. And they... You know, even when I you know first moved up here, I'm like, yeah, I played in Primer. I'm like, oh yeah, but do you know Flaw? <laughs> it's always been one of those <laughs> things. Um, I actually ended up playing a little bit with uh, with Jay Daunt in, a, in another band after after Primer and Flaw oh, both cool. broke up a while back. And then um, I actually ended up playing in another band for my well, I tried out for a band with um, with Ryan, their bass player, when he was playing guitar um, in another band with a couple of dudes from Forty Below Summer, but. But yeah, flaw flaw around here. They you know they they cannot do anything wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's kind of like the uh, the urge in St. Louis. Everybody loves yeah. the shit out of the urge in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. actually I played a couple of shows with the urge. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny you said that. It's funny because they yeah. always would play with all these heavy bands. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know it, they, they I remember reading with brass on or on stage, I was listening yeah. to the point uh, recently. Not recently, like maybe when I say recently, I mean within the last three years. And uh, <laughs> I listened to. Uh, this interview with the urge where they're like, yeah, so we went on tour with like Deftones or something and, uh, everybody would listen to the, or they went on tour with Slipknot at one point too. And, uh, He's like, yeah, all these metalheads are standing there watching us play with our horns and our shit, you know. And uh, they were it's like, yeah, they would come out. They'd come out at the end of the show and be like, "You guys are actually a really good band." 
<laughs> really weird. I remember I saw a like a festival poster, or like you know, maybe like a radio show poster or something for St. Louis. Same thing within the yeah. last couple of years, and the urge was really high up on it, like above established bands and i was like yeah it sounds about right yeah like, that's, for st. that's louis. st louis man like we just yeah we like, literally we watch blues games we eat emo's pizza and we watch and we wait for the urge, urge to come yeah. back yeah like, <laughs> yeah it's it's not far from that because there's been multiple times that they've played point fest which is kind of yeah. like the, the big local venue for uh like a summer music show and they're always on the headlining stage and they're yep. normally one of the three last bands even if you know They'll be playing at, like you said, they'll be playing against, you know, bands that should be much higher build. And, and it's always been that way. And it probably will continue to be that way. Well, a few years ago, I think Bush, uh, Bush high, uh, headline Point Fest. And the Urge went on and played right before Bush. Two-thirds of the crowd left. left. Everybody left, left. yeah, after after the Urge was done playing. It was <laughs> yeah, like, holy was, shit, could you not feel like you're more in St. Louis and, we, you know, we, now? We got to see Cake. We got to see Chevelle. Everybody loved Cake. And St. then St. the Louis Urge too, yeah. came on, and I'm thinking, really, Bush is going to go on after the Urge? <laughs> the Urge played. It, it had been the first time in almost a decade since they played, and it was them coming back to be a band again full-time. Wow. Blew everybody away. And then two-thirds of the building leaves. That's awesome. And I'm like, yeah. I feel really sorry for Bush for making that choice or for their publicist that made that choice for them. Yeah, our other host, Josh, he's like one of the biggest, most sold-out Bush fans ever. Uh, he was telling me about that. He was like, it was just, it's just bullshit, man. You know, like, and uh, I was like, dude, that's that's St. Louis, man. You know, we, we tried to play hardcore in St. Louis, and we would play with bands that were 10 years past their expiration date, and everybody was going fucking crazy over them, you know? Uh, it's right. just a, it's a really hard town to break out of, and uh, it's just St. Louis is uh, it's very unique in that it's you can come to St. Louis and it be kind of like a time capsule. Yeah, <laughs> or you can was, you can watch uh, they might be giants here, and you'll see one of the biggest smosh pits you've ever seen in your life. Right, to <laughs> they might be giants show, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> I saw probably ten thousand people going crazy for they might be giants, and I'm like that is that's bizarre. That's crazy. So. What is the love in St. Louis for Story of the Year? Oh, that's, uh, that's another oh, one. Yeah. That, oh. uh, that's right there with the urge. I yeah. remember, I mean, I remember them as blue, Big Blue Monkey. You know, that was, um, that was, that was Story of the Year, you know? Um, yeah. Then they were another, they were just another local band, you know, as like, as far as I was concerned. Every time I would go see a show in St. Louis, Big Blue Monkey was there, you know? Yeah. And uh, they they made huge waves in St. Louis because I think what it really boils down to to cement their popularity in St. Louis because they weren't playing new metal. Actually, Big Blue Monkey was. Oh, I don't know yeah, if anybody. Big Blue Monkey was. Yeah, I don't know if anybody in in Story of the Year now would would you know admit to that, but that that's what they were, you know. Uh, but when they became Story of the Year and they kind of jumped on that pop punk emo thing that they did. I think I think what really went far with St. Louis people was the fact that they filmed their video for their biggest single at yeah. the Creepy Crawl. I think okay. that was a, that was really big for them because we'd all been to the crawl. We'd all you know if you've ever been in a band in St. Louis, you've played at the Creepy Crawl five six times. You know they're not even that it's not, it doesn't even exist anymore. It's gone. But uh, well, I think they're one of those bands too that they they kind of wore St. Louis on their sleeves too. It's not like they. They ever were like, oh, I think, I mean, they did move to California for a minute, I think, yeah, to get yeah. signed. Oh, yeah. 
but even that, even at that point, they were still. Oh, we're from St. Louis. No matter. They yeah, are, I mean, they I don't call they it ever... Page Avenue. So yeah, that's a yeah. and that's a big street here in St. Louis. People from St. Louis are very proud um, that you're here. That you're from here. That we're from here. I mean, even we say it. Like, I mean, I'm not like proud of the music scene necessarily, but you know, we have never no problem throwing out the STL name. You know, when we yeah. do our podcast, you know, we're just like, yeah, we're from St. Louis. Like we went, we went, when we went and saw American standards this week, we were just like, yeah, we drove from St. Louis to see you guys, you know, like, and everybody's <laughs> like, well, am I supposed to be impressed by that? Like, you know, Hell yeah, you are. No. The straight shot. <laughs> Hell yeah. Home of the blues. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it didn't go so well this year, but you know, fuck yeah. We're, we're the team that, that goes to, we're the team that goes to the playoffs every year and, and loses in the chokes. first round. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Like, oh man. Have an amazing season up to that point, And then you get to the playoffs and it's like, Oh, we are, we did. How do you, Oh, never mind. <laughs> i give you my last, cause you know, like I said, we, we traded out shows a lot with big blue monkey and even, uh, you know, Adam was in that band low cash. Uh-huh. So we traded out shows with those guys too. And like, you know, we would play with them in St. Louis. They would play with us in, uh, and uh, Nashville and things like that. And so we, we it's funny, I think Finch and their first big album thanked Big Blue Monkey. Uh-huh. And we were at our band rehearsal and we're like, fuck it, man, they made it. It's over. You know, like like that right. was making it at that point. You know, they got thanked in a Finch album. Sure. And yeah. as Big Blue Monkey. And then they, you know, obviously uh, until the day I die or whatever came out and yeah. you know, the rest is history. But it was still so funny the level of making it that we thought that they'd like, man, if, uh, they're on their way. You know, they did it. Sure. <laughs> Just yeah, for getting a thank you and a record. Yeah. And the spinoff, I guess is still doing pretty good here too. In St. Louis Greek fire. That was, yeah. Yeah. Oh saw, yeah. 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 They saw were, those guys not too long ago or probably not, not too long ago as in like the last five years, but yeah. Right. It's good to know somebody else has my timeline. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, oh, I mean, it's the thing. It's like, you know, that just happened a couple of years ago, right? And you'll, it, it would have been, you know, 12 years ago or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Dan, what's your favorite uh, new metal band? Oh, shit. Man. Okay. So, back to the STL thing. Um, okay. We had a. Uh, Hang on. Let me get it pulled up. We had kind of what I would call STL's best kept secret as far as new metal goes. It's not Shattermask. Um, it's, uh, a band called the fifth element. Okay. And they were, um, I guess if you had to call it, compare them to anything, I guess they were kind of like, um, like a more melodic version of Slipknot. They didn't rap or anything. Um, I had a, uh, I had a CD release like sampler that had two fifth element songs on it. One was called like pill horror and the other one was called recreational war games. And they screamed in such a way, like, that I would consider to be kind of the St. Louis sound as far as, like, screaming vocalists go. Um, and Joe, when, once the podcast launches, if you listen to it, I don't know if you can hear the music he's playing now or not, but uh, he's playing Fifth Element through our headphones. And uh, <laughs> basically, um, they were they only put one album out, as far as I know, and... Um, they, I've seen I'd seen them a couple times in St. Louis, and they were a band that I thought was going to be huge, you know. But they uh, they're, they're probably my favorite new metal band in the sense that I got to see them. They were local to us, and um, the screaming was so intense that if you listen to the screaming on the Fifth Element album, which I don't think it's on Spotify, so good luck finding that. I think a guy has all the stuff uploaded on YouTube. But my when I when I started being coming a screaming vocalist, I borrowed heavily from <laughs> what what this guy had done, and uh, 
you know, because that's that's the whole thing, right? If you're going to be in a successful band, it's not that you're everybody loves how original you are, but you're it's right. not that you're original. You just borrowed something from a band that no one had heard before, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that was that was me a hundred percent. I I loved the Fifth Element. I still listen to their to their album to this day. And uh, they unfortunately just never went anywhere, but they were uh, they were my favorite of that style. They had turntables and and everything. They didn't really rap, but they uh, they had that they had that whole sound like the funky bass and the clean vocals and the screaming and the mix and all that. And um, it's just a good cocktail for me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. I wonder if that was the same turntablist from that band Low Cash that was in <laughs> with uh, with Adam. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know how many turntables you guys had in uh, in St. Louis running around. Uh, probably <laughs> for a while there, I think it was like everybody everybody had a turntable at their house somewhere. You know. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a pretty big hip hop community here. So yep. That's true. Yeah. So there's a lot of turntablists in the area. I think I played a band on the podcast a while back called the Discrepancies. I believe they're from St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. They. Yeah. They actually, the name, they, yeah. they're actually pretty good. Uh, you know, not too bad. Seemed kind of new, very new metalish. Yeah, oh yeah. But, Even if it came out so. in 2016, it's going to sound like new metal if it's from St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because there's another one uh, that's pretty popular in St. Louis area, Derailed. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're uh, yeah. got some new metal influences in their uh, in their music. Actually, I knew I knew the bassist before he, he kind of dropped out and started doing his own thing. Right. Joe, Joe, what what's you, your what favorite? What do you got, buddy? I, I get to cheat and say the Third Strike is my favorite new metal band. Third Strike, that's a reference. Yeah. Because... One album, one and done, baby. One and done. <laughs> they throw everything in. It's rock. It's hip-hop. It's a little bit of metal. It's got the scream. It's got the yell. It's got the groove. You know, I could... You it's know, got the t- cover of Paranoid by Black Sabbath on yeah, it. <laughs> well, yeah. Most people have never heard that, and they should if they haven't heard it. I mean, I could cheat and say Stained because, you know... Stained is stained, but I like Third Strike. That's my number one. All right, Josh, cool. you're 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 our guy. You're our golden calf. So what do you got, <laughs> man? <laughs> man, if my favorite new metal band of all time is you know, uh, it's very easy to say, but it's it's got to be Limp Bizkit. You can't yeah, go wrong yeah. with Limp Bizkit. Okay, I mean that's that's uh, always been my guilty pleasure. No matter what period of you know, no no matter how heavy I was in the Lamb of God. I was still like, man, you know, Nookie is actually a pretty good song. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But but yeah, man, I, you know, like I said, I got to got to play with them in like 97. Uh-huh. Uh, I got to go see them a ton. Um, yeah, I've probably seen them, you know, 10, 12 times sure. over the years. Every time I've seen them, amazing live band. Uh, you know, they, they yes, I understand that they were goofy and cliche and, and, and it was a silly gimmick and all that stuff. It's a time period, but, you know, man. I, Yeah, it's, it was, I was going to say, it worked. It. Yeah, no, it worked. It worked Clearly very it well. Worked. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, they're still. Uh, they they played here at a festival uh, a couple of years ago with, you know, like Five Finger Death Punch and Corn and all those bands, and they still were like high up on the bill. And they were probably, you know, people are still talking about how they stole the show, you know, and, and so they still can bring it live. And great bands, you know, good mix too, you know, with uh, with with Sam and and Wes and uh, John Otto and. You know, DJ Lethal is not in there anymore, but um, you know that that's still that mix of guys put out a pretty cool product, and it wasn't, you know, there it wasn't anything that really happened before it, and not necessarily something that's happened since. You know, just with 
with you know Sam's bass lines and Wes's you know guitar noodling and you know, John's kind of a jazzier drummer than most and you know Fred's Fred so you can't really go wrong with them. Talk about cliches. I mean, they really kind of invented the cliche. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was weird with Limp Bizkit too because like everybody's going to talk shit about Limp Bizkit now, and myself included. I'm I'm one of the main offenders. Um However, I remember not getting dates with girls in high school because they like guys that dress like Fred Durst <laughs> and uh, and not guys like dress like me. You know, like they're like, dude, the, you know, the fate you like 80s metal, you think that's cool. You need to start listening to good shit like Limp Biscuit. And, you know, <laughs> and I remember being like, well, fuck that band. So maybe there's like a personal uh, <laughs> thing there. Right. But, um, but, you know, I also I get it though. Like um, my favorite band of all time is Zayo, you know, and, uh, you know, I talked to I talked to their lead singer um, at Cornerstone one year, and I remember there's just something about when you've met the band, yeah, that makes it so much more that makes it so much more real, I guess, um, and adds a legitimacy to it. I mean, it's most people that talk shit about Limp Bizkit have never met Fred Durst, and I, I kind of get the impression from these are the kind of guy that I could probably sit down and talk to for a long time. You know, yeah. it's not uh, it's not weird. And, uh, you know, and I think that that's the problem with metal in general is that people talk a lot of shit, but they're, they're talking about people that they're never going to interact with, <laughs> you know? Well, that's the thing with, with doing, you know, my style of podcast, you know, I guess yours too, but you know, where you have guests on from bands and you walk away, you're like, do I really like this band or do I really like that person? And they just win me over. Because right. even you know back we were talking about ICP, but I had the mm-hmm. dudes from uh, Twisted on, yeah, and not something I would ever really listen to, but I you know to to get into it and to to interview the guy, right? I you know listened to the album a few times, and and uh, that was when I had the co-host Mike, yeah, and you know he has no like uh, business listening to a Twisted album, sure, <laughs> sure, and we both kind of like man, it's actually really good, right? And we're like, I think so, I think it's really good. They're really we nice guys, to, yeah. Yeah, then we t- we talked to him, and it was a fun interview, and it was you know it got picked up by a bunch of those Fago lovers kind of sites, and sure, you know it's it's one of my biggest episodes out there. So I'm like, well, maybe it is a good album, and right, and you know it, it's so funny. I know what you're talking about when you meet the guy. Uh, you know, do I really like this band or do I just like the guy? And I think that's right. a, you know it's it's a it's a fine line, especially you know doing what we do with the podcast. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh. It's been unreal for us. Um, we had a podcast uh, last week that we did with somebody that I was really um, a big fan of. He wasn't even a music guy, at least as far as I knew. We found out differently when we did the podcast with him. But uh, it was uh, the angry video game nerd, James Rolfe, and we were um, super he's – like, he's like the guy that started the whole YouTube you know, thing where people would review video games and stuff and – I was watching one of his videos and I saw he liked Black Sabbath. I was like, "Well, we talked to we'll talk about Black Sabbath for an hour." You know? Oh yeah, I listened. To, I listened to that episode. Yeah, and we good. were we were so blown away by how much more professional he was than than we were, and uh, <laughs> we were. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I really tried to push the fanboy down as much as I could because I, I I always worried that like I mean I've never been the kind of guy that's like, "Oh my God, do you know who you are?" You know, <laughs> like, but it's. Uh, you know, the, when he when he came when he skyped into us, we were like, I was almost just I, I literally was almost in this mode where I was like, Hey, you remember when you did that video game nerd <laughs> video? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was so awesome. You know, it's so great that you did that. You know, and we like it's so funny too because if you listen to that episode, that guy kept us on topic 
Oh yeah, he did. <laughs> like, like it is literally the most on-topic episode we've ever done because we're kind of like we're not famous at all, but the people that like us, um, that's what the thing that they like about us the most is we never really end up talking about <laughs> what we ended up <laughs> what we wanted to talk about. But Joe does such a good job of mixing it to where it sounds like that um, that it works out. But uh, we will reveal Joe's my secrets. Yeah, I mean, even even when we were talking to even when we were talking to uh, Travis, it was weird because like we knew Travis from before, but uh, when we were just a band, you know, starry eyed band wanting to record an album with him, you know, <laughs> like you guys were like huge Crutch fans, and I was like, I, I texted him, I'm like, man, these dudes love you. Like, I did, so dude. <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, well, it's funny too. So funny story. I didn't I didn't bring it up on his episode because I hopefully he doesn't remember. Uh, but uh, we. Uh, when we were at his house, we were doing a, uh, we were recording and I was, I was like, oh, I was like, I've never seen a real life version of your guys' album, Hope Prevails, before. I've never seen the physical copy of it. And he's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, did you just listen to the MySpace stuff? And I was like, no, a guy that I knew sent me the tracks via email <laughs> and I burned him to a CD and he was like, you ripped off my band. And like, and we were like, Oh, Oh, uh, shit. Uh, uh, no, uh, no, yeah, not totally no. not. Yeah. Like I mean, we didn't, I, I mean, I bought it later. I did buy it later, but yeah, it was one of those like, Way Oh God. Later. Yeah. Uh, I was like, Oh God, we just pissed this guy off and we're at his house now. And like, <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh shit. I hope he doesn't remember that. Like whenever, cause I, uh, I had heard as the story grows first, and then I heard him pimp in your podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, I want to hear, I want to hear all this shit," you know, like. And so I think before we even before we recorded any of our voices to audio, I had probably listened to, I'd listened to everything as the story grow. I think I'd gotten halfway through your episodes because you got like what eight hundred episodes? No, it's like a hundred some, hundred and three now. Uh, one oh three, but I mean, there's yeah. also like you know bonus episodes right, and stuff in there right. too. So yeah, so you guys should all go on and get on his Patreon and get all the extra shit. <laughs> Patreon's a, Patreon's a big deal, man. The guys like guys like like Travis and and Josh here, they they need that shit. You know, like it's 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 it helps pay for hey, so much stuff. Throw us in there too. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah we have a Patreon too, too, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, like it's 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 one of those things that you know you listen to these podcasts and you enjoy literally you know at this point you know hundreds of hours of audio. Um, it's cool, you know. It's cool. It's cool to get that kind of support and even even sending an email saying you know, dude, I like what you guys do. That's how I mean, honestly, that's how we typically get people to be agree to be on our podcast. Is we're like, look. We're not bullshitting here. We're huge fans. You know, <laughs> like yeah. And uh, no, it was cool. To, it's actually funny. That was the first email I've gotten through the new website, and I was oh, like, okay. oh, "That's cool." Like, I was like, "Man, where's the email address? How do I contact this guy?" And then I was like, "Yeah, fuck it. I'll just do the website thing." <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it came to me, and I thought that was cool. I got it, and uh, I was like, "Wow, it's, it's a huge honor to for someone to you know ask me to come on and do some stuff." Yeah, it's always fun. It's fun to to reach out and you know and meet everybody and things like that. So yeah, um, so I listened to um, I listened to the Deftones cover. <laughs> yeah, and, what do you uh, think about that? Let's yeah, I like about, it. Let's I talk like, about that, Dan. Yeah, Go right let's ahead. Talk about let's talk about Pod Terra. <laughs> um, Pod Terra. So anybody anybody that doesn't know at this point, I mean, I would assume anybody that's listening to this pretty much is a fan of your show anyway. Um, but. Uh, you know, um, Pod Terra is a collaboration between uh, Josh here, Brandon Kellum of American Standards, Travis Turner, and um, 
Eric Hall. Eric Hall. And um, so, yeah, Brandon, Brandon actually announced that they did that on our show, which was uh, which was crazy. And then uh, we listened to it. It was Elite by Deftones, and I remember. Um, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, like, because I, I remember I was thinking, like, what Deftones song are they going to do that's going to work with Brandon's style of singing, you know? <laughs> and uh, and it, yeah, it turned out cool. Uh, and I, I, I can't wait to hear more from it. Um Brandon has been uh, has been bugging me, uh, <laughs> not bugging me. I've been totally into it. He's like, dude, we should do like a dual vocal thing. Get another podcast on. And I was like, I don't know, man. Do you want like a seventeen member podcast band? You know, like yes. that's gonna get that's gonna get pretty muddled after a while. I think you've got the vocal side of it under control. He's like, no, it'll be cool. You do it. We'll do, we'll do like trade offs and stuff. And I was like, yeah, uh, we, you know, we'll see. <laughs> well, it's funny with with Brandon and American Standards. It's, it's because you know, somehow, you know, he got on uh, Trav's podcast, then they got on to uh, Shoot the Shred podcast, mm. and then you know, and then basically got onto my podcast, and then uh, we, we all sat back and like, how did that happen? Because you know, not that, not that they weren't a known band or whatever, and I, you know, the, it, a lot of times the people reach out to me like, hey, you know, we we got this new album coming out, we would like to be on the show, we're big fans of your show. Right. I'm a sucker for people saying that they're fans of my show and want to come on. Like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I might have because been I like might have been coached on that, you know, beforehand. What's that? <laughs> I said I might have been coached on that beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's just it's just funny, you know. Like you know, not not many bands reach out to me, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. But because if I was in a band, I would be you know basically doing what American Standards did. So I was like, wow, this band's actually really trying hard. And oh, yeah. uh, so I had him on, and then basically I talked to Trav, and he's like, "Yeah, they just reached out to me, and I kind of felt compelled to do it." So we knew nothing of this band before they all came on the, they all, you know, they were on all of our respective podcasts, and uh, I always thought it was kind of funny that they somehow weaseled their way onto all of our shows. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, we, we were um, we were sitting in a movie theater watching a movie or starting to watch a movie, and Joe sent so he's like, "Dude, we just got this tweet from this band called American Sanders. He wants to be on our show," <laughs> and we were like. We're like, uh, okay, because we we were like, and that was that was whenever we developed this idea of, okay, from here on out, if we have somebody on the podcast that's from a band, we're gonna talk about another band <laughs> that they <laughs> nice. like, and uh, and we're gonna go from there because there's so many podcasts that exist now where it's like, how did your band start? Do you have any cool cor- Do you have any cool uh, stories? What was it like working with X producer? What was it like? Blah 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 blah, dude. That's I mean we it's 2017. We live in a world where you can pull all that shit up on Wikipedia. Yeah. You can pull all that shit up on a Google search. You know, it, pulling a podcast. So it's like we want to hear what Brandon Kellum of American Standards thinks of this. We want to hear what Travis Turner thinks of Death. We want to hear what Josh Toomey thinks of Pantera. I mean, new metal. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we will eventually. I will swallow my pride and I will send that email. That's like. Bring it on. Yeah, or I'll probably text you since I can just do that now. But uh, hey. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, it's time. We're going to do the fucking Pantera episode. And uh, maybe that'll be the one I'm absent for and, like, you guys just talk. That'd That's be really fine. cool. I'd love to listen to that, listen to my own podcast without me on it. That'd be awesome. We <laughs> tried that on, once, um, and it didn't work. I'm going on my, my honeymoon in a couple of weeks, and yeah. I've been trying to bank a couple episodes and, and stuff like that. And I was thinking in a... Some friends of mine, the Cobras and Fire podcast, uh, you know, they're they're pretty cool. They'll just, you know, discussion podcast. They play songs. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they do a thing called podcast takeover where this other guy 
um, comes on and plays like 10 of his favorite songs. They, yeah. He does. They probably done three or four episodes like that. And I was like, I was like, I reached out to him. I'm like, I got this idea. I was like, I think I was like, you guys want to host a talk to me while I'm on my honeymoon. And they're like, so I think I'm gonna have them, them do a, uh, host a talk to me, get, you know, send them all my bumpers and, and show stuff. And she's okay with that. that? <laughs> What's that? And she's going to be okay with that. Who? My wife. Yeah. Yeah, because I'll be on, on my honeymoon. They're going to do the show. Okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah, let let them do an episode while I'm while I'm gone. So That'd be cool. We'll see. It'd be fun. I, I I would like to hear. I think they'll, I think they'd have fun with it. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely be pimping the hell out of it. We'll throw uh, we'll th- definitely throw links to your stuff on there. If there's anybody that listens to our show that hasn't heard your show already, um, you know, we definitely want to get get yeah. Get I mean, that's uh, you know that that was. That was how I was when I played music. It was all about, you know, trading shows and shit like that. So I care, I've carried that over. I understand the game. And it's it's kind yeah. of funny. We're talking about downloads, and we'll get off this after. I could talk forever about the actual inner workings of podcasting. Sure. Which, actually, listening to you guys, I mean, you guys were forefathers of podcasting back in the day. So, oh, I mean, well, crazy. okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't go listen to those podcasts. Do it. No, I, I might. Do it. Uh, no, I mean, either, either way, I mean, you know, you guys were... You and you guys were light years ahead of me even thinking of a podcast. I mean, I was never an iPod person. So, well, how much of off here, gentlemen? Yeah, cool, right. man. We Take really appreciate you, and um, we'll uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. There's a ton of fun. Yeah, just uh, you know, just tag me and all the stuff, and uh, I'll post it and all that crap, or you can text it to me or whatever we need to do, man. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. No, and no joke, man. If you ever need help with anything like editing or stuff like that, just let me know. I will. Can't be it, but I'll definitely let you know. Yeah, he's a, he's <laughs> can't a, can't he's charge editing, him. He's an editing. Don't know genius. where you live. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, you have yourself a good night, and uh, we hope you enjoy your honeymoon. Absolutely. Talk to you guys soon. All, all right, right. See you. Take care. Thanks. Hey, Dan. You just had a conversation with uh, you know, Josh Toomey. What do you think about that? I think it was awesome. This has been episode 15 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. Well, what does James Rolfe think about Black Sabbath? And not only was he like a Black Sabbath fan, he was like a Black Sabbath fan. Like I was, I had no idea. He had like alternate. uh, I liked his alternate uh, sequencing of the album Thirteen, and I'm like, yeah, this dude's, this dude's, uh, yeah, he was definitely a fan. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Josh, remember that time you were in Primer Fifty Five? It was awesome. (laughs) That was awesome.